The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Uh, like I say all the time when I post on uh, Facebook, um, this is not a church, it's family. And I couldn't think of a better place to be than with family this first Sunday that we're back. Uh, now, to the, if, you wanna, if you have your Bibles out and have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 14. That's where we're going to be uh, speaking out of today, uh, sharing with you guys. But as you guys open there, we just saw a video of what has happened this last year uh, and stuff like that. And it's just been an amazing year. Uh, some good memories. We saw the baptism service and some of the students that got baptized. Uh, in that video, we also saw some of the students that will be coming to our academy next year, uh, getting to meet with them and just get to give their parents hope. It was an amazing time uh, when parents are asking us over and over again, you're really going to accept our kids and they're in tears. Uh, that just hits you in the heart. But what you didn't see on this video were the tough times. Uh, stuff. The times when our house got hit by lightning and caught on fire. The times when uh, we were without electric for two or three days and water and you didn't want to see a picture of us. And all this stuff and everything. I didn't make a slideshow of that because it would have been depressing, right? <laughs> and it also, nobody would have ever gone on the mission field, right? And all this stuff. So, but what we see here is, but what I like is that these are great moments, but for me and for us, those tough moments were also amazing moments in the same time. Because it was in those tough moments, in that tough time, the struggles we had, teaching 38 seventh graders is not an easy job. Uh, there's a, if you like roller coasters, be a seventh grade teacher. All right, the emotions, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. Like, I don't know, what was happening every day in my room? And, all of a sudden, and that was one class period, right? And, right? And so, but I, I, I loved my kids, but it's like, in those days, it was a struggle. There was days it was just hard. There was days I did not want to get up and go back. And I think I'm just, I'm tired. I was tired. But then what was great about those days is they brought me to where I felt God has the message on my heart this morning for you guys. It brought me and Alicia to that point where it wasn't about John and Alicia anymore. And we had to finally realize it's not about us. It's all about God and about doing what he's called us to do. And it got us to that point today, uh, or that point when we were there, of getting to where we just said, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. Because we try to do stuff on our own strength sometimes, and it fails. And then we feel like we're failures and everything, and we're not. Sometimes we're just not doing what we were supposed to be doing, or things, life happens and comes up. But in the end, God wants us all to get to that point where we say, Lord, whatever you do, I'll do it. Whatever you want, I'll do it. And so that's what the heart of today's message is all about. And we're going to look in Matthew about how one of the disciples gets to that point, And we're going to see what happens when we get to that point, And why does it matter if we get there? If we ever get there, like, I, I'm doing good. What does it matter if I get to that point? It makes a huge difference. And we're going to see why it matters that we get there. And we're going to see the impact we can have once we get there. So we're going to start out here in Matthew 14, chapter, uh, verses 22 through 24. It says, immediately... He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. So right there it says he dismissed the crowds. If you don't know the story, this is right after he had just got done preaching to a crowd and feeding the multitudes, feeding the 5,000. He had just got done uh, doing that, and actually it was 5,000 men plus the women and children, so feeding thousands of people and everything. So he sent the crowds away. 
everything. He had had a long, hard day, Jesus did, preaching and serving and loving people and all that stuff. And he said, he said, disciples, I want you to go on the boat and start going to the other side. I'm going to go up and pray. But it says there, the word that jumped out to me when I was looking at this, it says immediately he made the disciples, not he sent the disciples to go. He made the disciples. Well, at that time, these disciples, a lot of these disciples were ex-fishermen, right? They were fishermen. That's what they did for their living before. And they knew the weather wasn't great, that a storm was coming. But Jesus said, I want you to go to this. And so it says here, he made them go. Everything. Now, they could have just been like, you know, we'll just sit here on the land and wait for you to get done praying, and we'll all go together. But Jesus said, no, I want you to go. Everything. And he was, he was getting them out there, and he was getting them out there and setting them up to see something even more so he could show his glory in an even more powerful, changing way. So he sent them out. He made them go. Even though I'm sure some of the disciples are like, it looks like a storm's coming. I'm not going on that water. He made them go. And, everything. and he did it for a reason. And it says, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was long away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Now listen to that. The boat was being beaten by the waves. I mean, they're out there by themselves without Jesus, and they are getting beat up. And I thought about that as I read this verse. It's like, how many times have we felt like that? Has anybody ever gone through that? I know I have in my life where I feel like I'm out in a boat by myself getting beat up. And we kind of maybe even question, God, where are you? Or like, why am I in this boat? Why'd you send me here? Like to sit here and feel like I'm getting beaten up by the waves? There was days, even in Honduras sometimes, when I was tired and exhausted and just, I was spent. And I was just like, God, why did you send me here? I'm getting beat up by the waves. Everything. And so God, though, does come and reminds us that it's, it's not a... It's not about us, but sometimes there's that time when we are feeling like we're out in there and we're getting beaten up, and we feel like the waves are too much. But then let's see what happens on the next verse. So we see, we go on, and we see here, it says, and in the fourth watch, if you don't know what the fourth watch is, uh, I didn't either. I had to Google it, and Eric explained it to me. Uh, I just knew it was late, right, you know, all stuff and everything. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't admit that I'm a teacher. But all right. But a fourth watch, and it says fourth watch is probably around that time between 3 and 6 a.m. where it's still dark uh, and everything. And maybe towards the end of the part of the watch, it'll start to kind of get light, but it's still dark. You can't see well. There's a storm. So when they left, it wasn't the fourth watch. They left when it was pretty much early evening the before. And so they have been out there on that boat for a long time, getting beaten by the waves and the winds and the rains and stuff like that. So this wasn't they were just out there for like 15 minutes before, or before this happened. This is they were out there for maybe hours getting the waves beating them and terrorizing them. And they were at this point, uh, even with the sea, they were just like, what is happening? And they were filled with a little bit of fear of what's going to happen, right, as they were there. But then if that was enough, then we see it here. It says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, the two words that jump out to me in this passage right here is terrified and fear. So they had been beaten. And then these guys who are fishermen see something walking on the water, which would probably terrify all of us, right? And everything walking towards them. But at that time, they're just gripped with fear, and they're, they've been beaten, they're tired, they're exhausted. Now they're terrified. 
Have you ever been there? Where you're just beaten, you're exhausted, you're afraid, what's next? Maybe you get a diagnosis from a doctor and you're like, what's next? I'm terrified, I'm afraid. That's where they were at this time. So if you feel like, man, maybe I'm, it's my faith or I'm not good enough or something like that, the disciples were right where you have been before, where they were terrified and afraid. But then it says, because Jesus loves them so much, look at, look at his response. It says, but immediately, because Jesus could sense their fear, he could sense their thing, and it wasn't because they cried out or because of their faith, but because of his love, his response is he spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. One of the most uh, quoted things that Jesus says to people in the Bible is, do not be afraid. Take heart, for it is me. And so sometimes it's just having to hear that, that God, in the middle of our storm, sometimes we can't hear because we're so distracted by our storms, we can't see that God's there in front of us saying, take heart, don't be afraid, I've got this. I told my students one time when I was talking about a, a story of a storm too, I said sometimes our biggest problem is we like to tell God how big our storm is instead of telling the storm how big our God is. And everything. And it's a matter of the heart. And at that time, he said, do not be afraid because he could see that they were terrified, but they also couldn't quite see it was him yet. And they're like looking and they're like, it's a ghost. And they're filled with fear. And he says, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. His first thing is to comfort those he loves. He wants them to know it's going to be okay. And that's the first thing he does here. So he wants to let his disciples know, it's me, don't worry. I'm, it's me, don't be afraid. And then we want to go to the next verse. Next couple of verses. Now, this, this right here is the point that God got me and my wife to when we were on the field and we were having those days that we struggled. And this is where it all really hit me is that when we look at this and we look at Peter's response, because Peter was a type of guy that would usually speak first and then think second. He was always the guy that would do anything crazy. Jump off a cliff, he's probably the first one to jump off, right? Peter was that guy, like, right? And I was like, which is good. There's some good qualities of that, that he's willing to do whatever. But then there's also some, hey, Peter, think first, right? But he answers him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So there he is. There is Peter saying the thing that God had put on me and my heart and me and my wife to say to him. And the thing he wants from all of us who are followers of him, he, Peter is at that point where we all need to be where we're like, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. So he's saying, Lord, if it's you and you want me to come out there, command me and I will come. So Jesus wants to see, is he, gonna, is, he, is he? Let's see. And he says, he says, come. So Jesus responds then, then come, Peter. So when we get to that point where we're at, like, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. God's going to respond. God can't help but respond. Especially when we're like, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. God's going to respond to that because he loves the heart. You want me to sell everything? I'll do it. 
You want me to go here? I'll do it. You want me to go to Honduras? I'll go to Honduras. When God first told us about Honduras, God, I had to look on a map to find out where Honduras was. <laughs> right? Now I love Honduras. It's my home. Thing Because we got to that point where we're like, God, whatever you want, we'll do it. And sometimes you have to get to that point more than once. Because we had to get to that point two years ago to move down there. But now again, we got to that point again this year where we're stepping away from our, that school that we worked at, the salary that we got, and we're stepping away from all that because we're like, Lord, what you want, we'll do it. We'll put our faith in you. Now let's look at here, as we see here, it says Peter go, got out of the boat and walked to the water and went to Jesus. All right, let's just stop the sermon right there because that's a success story, right? Because Peter got out of the boat, walked to Jesus, the end, right? I love that. Let's stop it right there. That's our encouragement that if Jesus says come, we get out of the boat, we're going to walk to him, we're great, we're good, yay, amen, praise God, have a good Sunday, right? That's a great way to end the story. But unfortunately, it's not the end of the story. I wish it was, right? But that would be Peter doing something great and everything. And we're going to find out here in a little bit that, yes, Peter got out of the boat, but he still kind of struggled like we do sometimes and all this stuff. And if the story ended here, we look, may look more at Peter for being something great than Jesus, who is really the thing that this story should be all about, is Jesus. We would look at Peter like, oh, Peter got out of the boat. Peter walked on water. Peter went to Jesus. Yay, Peter. We're celebrating the wrong person, right? And we don't want to celebrate Peter. I mean, he is a good person. I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but he's not Jesus, right? And all right, so unfortunately, this isn't at the end of the story because there's another slide. So let's look at the next slide. Right? But, when, but here goes Peter. Remember, he, he got out and walked to Jesus. Yay, victory for Peter. Nah, he really didn't. Let's look at what he really... But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink and cried out. So just like us in our lives, we'll be going and we'll, we'll say, okay, God, you want me to go here? And we'll go. I, I see two things happen. One, we, we got, get like Peter where we realize that we're sinking and we're like, uh-oh. And we, we're like, what do we do? Now, some of us may turn back and look at the people on the boat and be like, throw me a preserver or throw me a little, little rifle after those are called lifesavers. I know that's a candy and all, stuff, but, and all stuff. But we might be like, help me. Or we could do like Peter did where he put his focus back on God and was like, Lord, save me. Now, here's the thing that comes with the sinking part of this that really hit my heart is how many of us today realize we're sinking? That's the one thing that the enemy loves to teach us is that he might tell us that we're still walking on water and we don't even realize we're sinking. Things that are coming up and things that are entering our hearts and things like that, they're, they're causing us to sink. And luckily, Peter realizes he's sinking before the water goes over his head, because if it would have gone over his head, it would have been and we wouldn't know what he said. <laughs> right? It would have been more fun to read, but and all stuff. But but <laughs> try to see if I could fit the word gurgle in my sermon. All right. Right? But instead he got to that point where he realized he was sinking. He realized that he, was, he could not, he was focusing more on the storms and when the fear was taking over and he was sinking. So he got to that point where he realized it. 
I don't know how many people I've talked to and I've prayed with and talked to down in Honduras that they're sinking and they don't even realize it because they're being told by other people that they're okay, that they're doing the right things, that, oh, you, you, you went to church, you know, it meant nothing to you, you're doing okay. And there's a big church there that has control over a lot of people, and they're telling them this stuff that they're okay, that they're, 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 they're not bad, at all, and, but they're sinking in their depression and their anger, and they don't even realize it. And for some of us in here today, we might be sinking right now, but we don't realize it because we think we've done enough. We think we're good. But Lord's like, have you said whatever you want, Lord? I'll do it. Because again, like I said, some people, when they would start to sink in that situation, they could have turned around and looked at the boat, the disciples in the boat, and said, hey, throw me a rope. Throw me something. Help me out here. But no, Peter looked at Jesus and said, Lord, save me. Have you said that? For some of you, this might be the first time you've been to church in a while. For some of you, you've been struggling, you've been hurting, and you want to try to find some kind of answer. Have we uttered those words in our lives? Lord, save me? Why should I? Well, let's look at what happens when we do. It says Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So he immediately sticks out his hand, gets Peter back up, reestablishes him, and then says, where was your faith? Again, we see, I like the word immediately, because it wasn't like Jesus said, I'm going to wait a little bit, I'm going to teach him a lesson. Right? You know what I'm saying? Because we think that of God, though. We think that God's up there just waiting, like, ah, he hasn't drowned enough yet. Maybe in a second I'll help him. Right? We, We get, some people, we have that opinion of God. That he's up there putting us through this trial and he's waiting for just the perfect time, then he'll help us. Sometimes he's not waiting for the perfect time. He's waiting for us to say, Lord, save me. And we say things like, well, God, why aren't you getting me out of this? Have you asked him to? Have you just cried out, Lord, save me? So he immediately takes him out and reestablishes him and gets him back up. So in this, in this part of the story, I love it because we see that Peter is like us. He, we are going to have fears and things that terrify us. He went back from being calmed by God saying, uh, it, don't fear, it is me. And then he even asked Jesus, if it is really you, have me come out there. So at that moment, he's full, full of faith and confidence in Jesus. But then he, when he's on the water, and we're talking about walking on the water. We're not talking like he was waiting in it. Walking on the water, then he started to fear again and started to kind of doubt again, and he started to sink because of it. And the reason why this, this part of the story is so important is it's because it's like us. We are going to have those times where we will listen to God and we will say yes to God, but then something's going to come that's going to rock our world and make us focus on the wind and the rain again, take our eyes off of God. But we have to understand in those times, God is not angry at us. God is just waiting for us to look back to him, get our focus back onto him and say, Lord, save me. And for some of you, you may have not done that before. But maybe today's the day that you do. Maybe you're tired of treading water because eventually you're going to get tired and you're going to sink. Even Michael Phelps could only tread water for so long. 
before he's going to completely sink. And then we see here, we see that him pulling him out is another way of getting to see how great God is and how great Jesus is and his glory and his love for us. We see it when he goes to the boat and he tells them, do not be afraid as I. He comforts them. Then he takes Peter out of the water, reestablishes, gets it up. He asks him where his faith is, but he doesn't chastise him. He doesn't make him, doesn't mock him, doesn't shame him. And also sometimes we get shamed by people and we think, oh, that's God shaming me. God doesn't shame. God loves. The enemy shames you to keep you away from God. God never shames you. He convicts you and he loves you. He reestablishes you and he reconfirms you, but he never shames you. I mean, he did ask where his faith is, and some people might be like, oh, that's kind of shameful. No, he was just asking, where's your faith? Right? He wasn't trying to tear Peter apart. He's just trying to go, Peter, you took your eyes off of me. You put your faith back into the water, the boat, or whatever. You took your eyes off of me. Where was your faith being, why didn't you believe in me? He wasn't trying to shame him. He's trying to remind him, I love you. I am here for you. I'll be there for you. Put your faith in me. And then look what happens. It says they got back into the boat and the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. So these people got to witness three different miracles and three different aspects of who Jesus is. They got to see him walk on water and they got to see Peter walk a little bit on water too. They got comforted by Jesus saying, take heart as I And then Peter getting to walk on water. But then when he started to sink, Jesus bringing him out of the water and reestablishing him. And then when he gets in the boat, just because he loves his disciples so much, he calms the winds and the storms there because he loves his disciples. And they all worship him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Why do we see these three aspects of who Jesus is today? Because in this story, they're trying to get us to the heart of where we need to be. We need to be like Peter in the aspect of that we ask God and we tell God that same thing of, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Have you really genuinely said that to God? What would the church look like if we all said that? Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And sometimes we can be doing things that are great for God and doing, seeing a lot of things for God, but he's still going to move us on. It doesn't mean that those times that we spent were bad or that we weren't listening to God. Like the last two years we taught at Abundant Life and I got to teach, you know, about 38 to 40 kids who God is. And their favorite part of class they told me at the end of the year when I asked them was devotional time and getting to learn about who God is and who they are. I got to do that for two years, and that was great, but now God's calling me here. Guys, I could have easily stayed at Abundant Life. I know how to teach. I know my students, and I could have stayed there. That would have been easy. But God brought me to that point where I was like, God, whatever you want, I'll do. It's not always going to be what's easier for me, but it's whatever you want, Lord, I'll do. And so some of us might ask, well, what does it matter if we get there? You know, I, I do what I do. I serve. I, I do things and all this stuff. But I've never gotten to that point where I've said that. But that, 
Am I wrong? Am I bad? No, you're not. I don't want you to leave here discouraged. I want to leave you guys encouraged this morning to get to that point where we just ask God, whatever you want, I'll do. And why is that important? It's important because when we share with someone, guys, and when we get to that point where we ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Guys, the life that gets saved may not just be our own. When you get to that point, God is going to fill you with so much joy, confidence, peace, and you're just going to be overwhelmed by what God brings into you when you say that to him. I got to that point and I said that. I was like, Lord, whatever you want me, want me to do the rest of this year, I'll do it. How do you want me to approach the end of this year? For the rest, This was about in January. I said, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. And God just put message after message on my heart and filled me with so much joy. I couldn't wait to get back to school the next day to do the next devotional. And everything goes, God just kept putting stuff on my heart. And one day in particular, I shared a message with my students about, I talked about suicide. Because God put it on my heart that I needed to talk about it. I don't know where it came from, but God told me I need to share it. So I shared with my students, I shared my experience with my father who committed suicide when I was younger. And I talked about it and I said, we don't realize that when we do something like that, the mark that we leave on the people that we leave behind and that that's not what God created us for, is for that ending. And I shared some verses that talk about the, you know, finishing the straight strong and finishing strong and stuff like that. And like, this is what God created. We are his workmanship. So if you're ever that depressed. And so I told my students that day, if you feel like you ever get to that point, the only thing I ask are two things. One, if you feel comfortable enough, come tell me. But second, if you don't, tell God. Sit down and tell God every reason you want to hurt yourself. Tell him and see if he won't do something in you. So I gave that message, and two months went by, and I never heard anything. And then the last day of school, one of the girls came up to me in my class and said, Mr., I, I want to thank you. And I said, for what? And she was like, I'm alive today because of you. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, that day you did the message on suicide, I had already made up in my mind that I was going to go home after school and kill myself because my parents are fighting, nobody loves me, nobody's ever proud of me. And she gave me her laundry list of things that was going on. And she said, I took your advice. I went home and I told God everything I was depressed about. And I said, what happened? And she said, as I was telling him, I could feel him hugging me. She said, I could feel him saying, take heart, I am with you, do not be afraid. She said, Mr., I lost my life that day. And I was like, well, no, you didn't. You're talking to me right now. <laughs> right? Like, well, I guess we missed the whole point of that. But I, but I was like, what? And she goes, I lost my life because I, it's not my life anymore. I gave my life to Jesus that day because I could feel him loving me. And she said, Mr., I said the words that you've taught us too. Or I said, Mr., I told, I told, they all call me Mr. I didn't have a name. My name was Mr. in Honduras. And they said, she said, Mr., I told him, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then she went on to tell me about how one of her friends wrote her saying that she wanted to hurt herself and how she went over and she prayed with that friend and talked with that friend, and then that friend ended up accepting Jesus. Guys, look at that. Because 
I got to that point where God worked on my heart and God put that in my heart where I was like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. God gave me what he wanted me to do. And I walked in that. And when we walk in that, the lives that get saved and the lives that get changed aren't just ours. Two girls are now still alive today because God worked on their hearts. But if I wouldn't have listened to God and gotten to that point and shared what God wanted me to share that morning, who knows where those girls would be today? Might be a totally different ending. Why does it matter? Guys, in this story, the disciples are in the boat. And when I say this, I'm not saying this like the the disciples that were in the boat were wrong or did anything wrong. But guys, what I noticed when I read this story and was praying over the story is there was other disciples that got to witness a miracle, but Peter got to be part of a miracle. Now, I know why that struck to me was was a few months ago, we listened to the podcast from LifePoint. I know Eric preached a message about listeners and doers, I believe it was. Everything, and that message hit my heart. Even, well, I shouldn't hit the mic. Uh, <laughs> hit my heart. And I was like, man, God, I want to be, be a doer. And guys, like I said, those disciples did not sin. They didn't do anything wrong by staying in the boat. But guys, they got to witness a miracle, which is amazing. But guys, because Peter said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. He got to be a part of the miracle. What do you want today? Getting to witness miracles is amazing. Getting to be a part of it is even better. It changes your life. It changes your heart. You were created to walk on water. You were created to see God move in your lives and the lives of those around you. I'm going to close up here, and I just want to leave you guys with this last, last thought as we get ready to wrap up here is, we sit here and say, Lord, I want whatever you want, I'll do it. And that sounds great. It sounds easy to say. But guys, when we really get to that point where our heart is saying that, not just our lips. Guys, that's when God is going to do amazing things in you and through you. When you just say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. We're going to pray this morning. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray that maybe today be the day that you do that. The Bible says that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I will be saved. Today you can do that. We can believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths and we will be saved. And for those of you guys who have done that and have been there, guys, I pray today be the day that you just look out with your hands open and say, Lord... Whatever you want, I'll do it. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time I got to spend with family, Lord, and just the amazing hearts and the amazing people that are here, God. 
I know that many of these people here just have such a passion and a fire and a love for you, God. I just pray that you stoke that fire. And God, just leave them with their hands open asking, Lord, whatever you want, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. And God, I pray that we will just worship in that today, that we will just be honored in that today. And what an honor it is that, God, you want us to be a part of what you're doing. And today, we don't want to just be people that witness the miracles. We want to be a part of it, God. We want to take part. And Lord, for those who have come in here today and they've been beaten by the waves, beaten by the wind and the rain, God, and they're asking themselves, God, don't you care? Or where are you, God? God, I pray you show them in a beautiful and magical way that you're with them and that you love them. That you will fill their hearts today with that message of take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. He was with you. He sees your hurts. He sees your pains. He sees those things that are making you feel beaten down. And for those of you guys who are feeling that way today, that feel like you're sinking, Lord, I pray that your response today is the same as what Peter said as he was sinking. You just look at God and say, Lord, save me. Lord, I thank you for everything you're doing in this church and through this church and through these people, God. And I pray today that we leave even more encouraged, more on fire, and ready to go and be a part of the miracle that you have got, you're working on this place. And I pray for this in your name. Amen.